Dr. Marketing Tips, paging Dr. Marketing Tips. Dr. Marketing Tips, you're needed in the marketing department. Welcome to the Dr. Marketing Tips Podcast, your prescription to the answers you seek to grow your medical practice easier, better, and faster. This show is all about connecting practice administrators and medical marketing professionals with peers working in practices, learning from experiences, making mistakes, and sharing successes. Let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. My name's Corey. And I'm Jennifer. And we're going to continue on a series that we've been doing for the past couple of episodes where we're sharing ways to improve the patient experience. So if you haven't checked those out, we highly suggest that you do. Um, right now, we're going we're gonna to dive right in. We're going to jump into ways that you can improve the patient experience when you meet with the physician. So Jen, do you want to give us your first tip? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I think there's a stat out there now that says 75% of interactions are actually with your staff and not the physician themselves. But when it comes to um, the patient experience, a lot of times what they're going to walk away with is that interaction with the doctor. And so I think the, the first thing is just to, you know, and this is probably a general life lesson anyway, but You've got to just be in the moment. You know, you only have maybe three to five minutes um, with that patient. And if your mind is somewhere else or thinking about what you've got to do for lunch or what just happened before you walked into the patient room, um, then the patient isn't going to feel truly like you're spending the time that is necessary with them. So I think it's critical. And I think most of the doctors out there that we work with know this and, and they receive great training as it relates to being in the moment um, when it comes to delivering care. But just a reminder for all of us that you've got to be in the moment when you're dealing with patients. Yeah. And I would add to that and say that one of the elements of, uh, you know, being in the moment is just making that eye contact. It seems silly, but we've actually gotten a lot of uh, negative re- online reviews from a practice in particular where uh, one physician will come in and he's not very good at making eye contact with the patient. And um, and they notice that. They pick up on that because, like you said, you know, you're only in there for, let's say, the physician's in there for five or six minutes. And uh, if they're not making eye contact, well, then you don't really feel like you're having a real connection and a real conversation um, so th- this could be an issue if the physician is, you know, maybe that's just their personality type. They just look at the ground. Uh, maybe they're taking notes or they're focused on the chart and what have you. And they're, they're not making that eye contact. So just sort of a, uh, you know, customer service 101, make sure that you're, you're trying to make that eye contact whenever possible from a staff or a physician standpoint. Absolutely. I was at, um, actually, I was at the HIMSS conference, which is a healthcare technology conference this year. It happened to be in Orlando, which is our hometown. And I thought, you know, let me go to this thing. So I took this like full day patient experience training that the Mayo Clinic offers. And it was really interesting to hear it from Mayo's perspective, because they were talking about the things that they do Um, They have entire teams that focus on patient experience. And so they were talking about some of the things that they do um, to improve patient experience. And one thing was to kind of get rid of those hurdles that the physician and the physician teams face so that when they're in there with the patient, that technology or the requirement to, to take the notes or to transcribe, that the technology is not getting in the way of that human to human interaction. 
Um, Danielle said when she was at Social Media Marketing World this year that, you know, the big topic was just human to human interaction. And there's no better place than the interaction between the physician and the patient, the the patient and the caregiver um, to, to make that human human interaction. So I think like being in the moment, making eye contact, you know, my next tip is, you know, just taking the time to, to understand what it is that the patient is saying to you. Um, sometimes that means repeating it back to the patient, um, but taking the time just again to be in that moment because this is the one time that we have an opportunity to create real human to human interactions. And so I think that's critical because at, at the end of the day, chances are the patient is going to remember most this interaction with the physician because that's why they're there in the first place. Yeah, it's interesting that you say the human to human interaction. I was just reading an article and um, they were talking about how there's starting to be kind of a um, like a, a swell against bots because like a year or two ago, that was sort of like the big thing is we can automate these conversations and, um, you know, we can have these sort of like customer service bots handle a lot of things. And for a lot of a lot of practices, a lot of businesses that's still going well, but there's starting to be a um, small percentage of people that are starting to say, I don't want that. I don't want to go down this this clearly automated funnel you're sending me down. And I want sort of a human to human interaction. You know, it's like when you call somewhere and you kind of get stuck in the phone tree, which we talked about in a previous episode. Um, you know, sometimes you just want someone to say, hello, how can I help you today? So um, building on that, my next tip would be don't let regulations and mandates get in the way of the care you're trying to provide to patients. Same thing. We want to at, provide the best care possible. And if we sort of let all of the red tape and the day-to-day -day things get in the way, going back to what uh, Jen was saying earlier, you can't really be in the moment. And then at the end of the day, your you know your your clinical outcomes and your patient satisfaction scores are going to take a hit because of that. So just make sure whatever is possible, not to let those regulations and mandates just sort of bog you down and get in the way of the care that you're trying to provide for the patients in your practice. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing with technology. You can't let, you can't let like technology needs to be a tool that's going to improve patient experience. So not enhance it. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. exactly the case. And so, you know, whatever this new shiny object is that you're trying to implement at your practice, just make <laughs> sure that at the end of the day, it's not going to take away from the patient experience. Kind of my next tip, too, is, um, you know, again, these aren't rocket science, but they're things that sometimes we just forget about. But when you're dealing with patients, don't use acronyms and don't use abbreviated language. You know, your physicians and your physician teams, you know, they're highly educated. They know what they're talking about, but they live in this little healthcare bubble that we're, you know, a lot of times we'll use acronyms and, and expect other people to know or use scientific language. And you really do have to, you know, you have to simplify things. You have to dumb it down. You have to use everyday language. And I think it's just, it's critical to be mindful of this when we're interacting with patients and with caregivers. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a uh, practitioner or, you know, just someone that's in a medical practice every day, those things sort of come, you know, secondhand to you, but to the patient, they don't, they've never heard that acronym before. And, and, you know, you get caught up in that. We do that too sometimes. Like I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and, and something I thought was simple. I just happened to throw out the term SEO and they had to stop and say, can you remind me what that is again? And I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, no problem. It's search engine optimization. So, you know, it, it happens in every industry. So like you said, it's just sort of like customer service 101. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, my last tip for this little section is to 
repeat information back to the patient or ask if they understand what was communicated. Because again, sometimes whether we're trying to stay on schedule, we want to get into the room and out of the room as quickly as possible. Um, we may not make sure that uh, all of that information is actually, you know, going in one ear and sticking. Because, you know, when you're in the the exam room as a patient, a lot of times there's a lot to take in. You're, you know, you're kind of nervous, you're kind of anxious. Um, so just taking a quick second to stop and say, hey, do you understand everything that was just said? Do you need me to repeat anything? Any questions? That can go a long way toward improving the patient experience. Absolutely. I think, I think, and I think this is where you have an opportunity to use some of that technology because, you know, I was at, I, I hate that I keep talking about these conferences that I'm at, but it's, it's conference season, it feels like. So I was at the MGMA a couple of weeks ago and there was a big case study on automations and using text-based technology um, for, with a company that a lot of the practices that we work with are starting to use. Um, and they're talking about, you know, you're in the patient room, there's a lot of information being thrown out there, but automating the process of following up directly with the patient after the fact, how they want to be followed up with via email or via maybe a text message, all HIPAA compliant, but you have an opportunity at that point to kind of repeat what it is that got said in the patient room where maybe it was in the moment the patient was nervous, but when they get home, they have an email waiting for them from the physician team saying, as a recap to our appointment, here's what we discussed, one, two, three, here's what you need to do, ABC, and you know, go ahead and click here to schedule your next appointment. And so there's opportunities for those meetings with the physician and the physician teams where technology may be a hamper you know, on that one-on-one -on -one interaction, but technology may be able to enhance the patient experience if implemented correctly, and it may actually enhance that human-to-human -human interaction between the physician and the patient themselves. So I think, especially as we look at technology that can improve the practice, let's look at the you know, ways that we can automate that system and make it easier for the patients at the end of the day. If you like what you're hearing and need some help marketing your medical practice this year, be sure and check us out at insightmg.com. That's insight, M as in marketing, G as in group.com. Don't think you've got a budget for this kind of stuff? Think again. We've got you covered. Make sure you schedule a free consult today. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, when the patient gets home, there's a chance that if they didn't remember something at the office, they're going to get home and they're going to say, well, I, I don't want to call and either wait on hold or seem stupid. I don't want them to think I, you know, I can't remember it. And then they feel anxious about that. And it's just sort of this, this cycle that you could avoid if you either leverage the technology or just make sure that they understand all the information before they leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So, so let's keep, let's keep going. I think we have some tips on like, um, you know, how you can enhance the experience in the waiting room. Did you put together tips on that one, Corey? Yeah, so first one, and this is a pet peeve of mine, is keep it clean. I mean, I know that it can be tough sometimes if there's a ton of people in there, um, but there's been many times where I've walked into an office and there's, you know, two or three people in the, the lobby or the, the waiting area, and it's a complete train wreck. There's trash everywhere. There's Starbucks cups, you know, kind of like knocked over on the table, magazines on the chairs and things like that. Um, so I would say if you put your yourself in the shoes of a patient and that, let's say that they walk into your practice that's going to be their first impression and obviously that's not how you want to start this experience that's not the the right foot 
So keep it clean. It, that's so simple. But mm-hmm. we were just talking about this in one of our trainings the other day, um, in one of the live trainings that I attended. And, you know, the patient experience now begins and it ends online. And if you have a dirty waiting room, expect to see that on Yelp or one of these on one of these review 100%, sites. 100%. Yep. Yep, exactly. And then people are going to say, I wouldn't have noticed if the waiting room was so dirty if I didn't have to sit there for 45 minutes. Exactly. And then it starts the conversation. I mean, if your waiting room is dirty, there will be a photo of your waiting room online by the time, you know, in the time it took to pick up that trash, there's probably two photos that are already been posted online. Yeah. And like you said, it's so simple. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. So another one, um, I got actually got an email Two nights ago, I think you were clapping on it, Corey, from one of our practice administrators. And he said that he was in a meeting with the the board of directors for the surgery center. And the conversation about wayfinding signage came up. And um, this conversation about wayfinding signage came up. And he basically, he's like, all right, well, we got to get on this because people can't find the practice. And you and I talk about it all the time. You know, where we'll be like headed into the office and somebody will be late. And so you got to have, I mean, it's so small and so minor and so fundamental, but you have to have good signage and you have to have great directions so that people can find the, the front door of the practice. But not only that, I would say when you're actually like in the, the waiting area itself, it makes sense to um, you know, have the, the restrooms clearly marked if there's water, coffee, whatever. True have that. Okay. Yes. Signage yes. Because... I don't know. I, I mean, I see it all the time, too. Like when we go to a practice and someone, you know, a patient will just come up and say, hey, where's the restroom? And so and I don't blame them because there's no signs there. In fact, um, Jen, there's one ENT practice that we work with where there's not one sign in the main lobby of their office where you could find the restroom. You actually have to walk outside. Yes, you're around right. the corner. Yeah. So it's another it's, building. Yes, exactly. And that's super confusing. So, you know, just simple things to improve that patient experience is what we're talking about. Um, I would also, so uh, er, my earlier tip for the waiting room was keep it clean, but also keep it current. So if you do have any sort of, you know, magazines, reading material, those kinds of things, make sure that they're current publications. You know, you, you don't want a car and driver issue from 1998 out talking about the latest models because, you know, that it just shows that you're you're not paying attention. So if you are going to have those types of materials out, make sure that they are as current as possible. Again, super easy, but the patients appreciate that. Yeah. Well, okay. So on top of that, yes, you need current publications. You also need publications that are probably of interest to your patients. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you have a TV up in the lobby of your, or in your waiting room, be mindful of kind of of the mood it puts your potential patients in if you're putting trash tv or like some regular news cycle like we don't need everybody to in our waiting room to be frustrated by the political discussion taking place on fox news before they go in to see their physician or we don't need you know it's fine if you want to watch the jerry springer show at home (laughs) in, in your own private setting but your patients chances are don't want to to be put into that mindset before they're walking into your practice. And in, in fact, it can be stressful. And there's been many times where I will put in my ear earbuds just to drown out the sound of a talk show or a political news show, because this is my time too. And I don't want my time invaded by what I call like 
noise pollution and that is nothing but noise pollution. So be mindful of the experience that your patients are having in your waiting room. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And you know that also it changes the conversation that patients are going to have with each other in the waiting area as well, um, which can be positive or negative. So um, like, for example, if you were watching Jerry Springer or something like that, you know, one patient may turn to another and talk about what's on TV. And if you don't want that conversation to happen, you can avoid it by not having that on the television. Yeah, one of the things um, I was actually with one of our um, clients the other day, um, an IVF doctor, fertility doctor, you know, the one I'm talking about. And I was in his waiting room and his waiting room is um, his waiting room is is comfortable and it's got he's got a TV on, but his TV is the montage of his patient testimonials mixed in with some education about his practice. Um, and we know this because we put it together. But if you're if you follow the Dr. Marketing to his podcast, you know that we like to lead with marketing strategies that put the patients forward. So we have a lot of patient stories and you can use those your patient stories and the videos that hopefully you're doing at your practice to create a montage that you can then control what that conversation, like you're saying, Corey, you can have more influence over what that conversation is going to be. And you can't do that if you just have on the cable TV. Yeah. And that's a, a great way to cross promote other services some ancillary services you may have at your practice, uh, leverage some of the marketing and the social media that you're doing. And pro tip, this is a little bonus here. Just make sure that if you're going to put one of those loops together, it is long enough that it will not repeat while patients are in the waiting area. So if your average wait time is 45 minutes, double it and then put that loop together. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's a great it's a great way to market the practice. And it's something that not a lot of practices take advantage of. Probably less than half of the ones that we work with are taking advantage of video loops. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, all right. Next tip. Offer snacks and water, simple, easy, inexpensive, but it makes a huge difference when it comes to improving the patient experience because, again, patients, they're a little anxious. They don't really want to be there in the first place for, for the most part. Um, so if you can offer them little amenities like that, you know, ultimately, when it comes to the bottom line, what's that really affect you? But it can really make a difference to them. Absolutely. I think we shared it last week on the um, on the podcast like where I was standing in line at the Fairmont Hotel in yes. Austin, Texas for the MGMA, and they were walking around with cold bottles of water handing them out. Huge difference. Huge. You may not be a concierge medicine practice, but you can act like a concierge medicine practice by doing little things that are going to cost you just pennies on the dollar, but are going to make a huge impact for patients. I mean, I, I, that goes into the next, like my next tip, and that's anticipate the needs of your patients. So like, just say like, hey, Dr. Smith, he's running a few minutes late. So help yourself to some refreshments. Or if you need the ladies room, let me show you. It's right over here. You know, just let me know how I can help. Anticipate the needs of your patients and, you know, make it more like a concierge service versus just a waiting room that you're sitting in. Yeah. And again, going back to changing the conversation, that is how you go from a review saying I checked in and then no one talked to me for 20 minutes to, oh, Lisa at the front was so nice. She offered me water. She showed me where the restroom was. She actually took me right to it so I couldn't get lost. And she just went above and beyond. And I, I couldn't recommend her enough. She's so sweet, blah, blah, blah. 
And that's how you switch that conversation. It's just that little, you know, what is that, 10, 15 seconds worth of interaction? It makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would say, you know, next tip is create a comfortable space that feels more like a place that you want to be versus a waiting room. There's no like a handbook out there that says, okay, a doctor's office waiting room needs to be where there's 15 chairs and they're lined up perfectly and there's a table <laughs> and there's seven there's seven news you know magazines and a you know some dusty old book on the shelf there's nothing that says it can't be more like a coffee shop or more like a, a living room there's no handbook out there that says you have to do it one way versus the other so create a space that you want to be in yeah uh, you were just talking about the uh fertility practice that we work with in his waiting room it's very homey it feels like a, like you're as part of the family you know it's kind of set up like a I don't want to say like a living room or a family room but it he's got big comfy couches and nice furniture and tables and he does offer the water and the coffee and everything and it just it's a nice space to be in compared to stuffy practice with a glass partition between the staff and and the patients and you know what I'm talking about where it's got the old carpet and you don't want that. Nobody wants that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if we're talking about waiting rooms, let's also talk about like some things that you can do in the common areas. Like I know this one's, this one's, you know, this one might seem obvious, but make sure your bathrooms are clean, you know, have, have things in place. I was in the Atlanta airport recently and I remember cause I, I pay attention to the Orlando airport, which is one of the largest and then I'm in the Atlanta airport and in the bathroom, they have little air fresheners at, at if you're, if you're in the bathroom and you're sitting on the potty, they have little air fresheners that are eyeball, like, like right at your eyeball, like right at your nose. And they're putting out a little bit of fresh air, <laughs> but, but what a difference and I remember this because I came out of the bathroom and I'm like, hey, to the person I was traveling with, have you seen those air fresheners? And I thought, why aren't we doing that in Orlando? And honestly, why don't you have air freshener in your bathroom at your practice or an automatic air freshener where it's just going to release once in a while? Just pay attention to those little things you can do in the common areas, especially the bathroom. Yeah, I was uh, I was at the hospital the other day for a meeting and um, actually in some of their restrooms, they have. Um, like a little, it's almost like a feedback uh, bank and you can press a button and depending on, and it says like, how clean was the restroom? Let us know. And yeah. And so basically it's like happy face, neutral face, sad face. So if it's messy, you press the sad face. And if it gets enough sad faces within a set amount of time, they just send somebody in there to clean it, which I thought was really cool. It's like a, you know, like an unobtrusive way. You just press the button on your way out and go wash your hands and and let them know that something something's amiss. And I, I've never seen that before. So I thought that was really interesting. Hey there, replacing an employee can be expensive. Upward of 50% of that employee's annual salary. Did you know that only 33% of your employees are actually engaged at work? Well, what if you could invest in engaging and training your employees for as little as $8 per month? With training that's specific to the challenges you face in your medical practice, like customer service, patient experience, communicating across generations, just to name a few. Well, visit us at insightmg.com to find out more. 
about how our employee engagement and training platform can help you strengthen employee retention, develop patient service mindsets, and give you peace of mind when it comes time for annual reviews, all without creating any additional work for you, and it's only eight bucks a month. So check us out at Insight, M as in marketing, G as in group.com. We'll be waiting for you. You know, if you're, here's the thing too, most of our listeners are independent physician practices. And, you know, I think there's things that the hospitals do that they do a great job at. Like Agreed. they have hand sanitizer all throughout their, their, the hospital. So if you walk by anything at the hospital and you want some hand sanitizer, it's super simple to get it. Why aren't our practices doing this? Yep. Small you know, thing makes a big small difference. Thing, but people pay attention to it. Um, yeah. What what other things in the common areas would you suggest, Corey? I would say, and some of this is going to be out of your control, but if you can keep the outside of the practice clean as well, that also goes a long way for improving the patient experience. So, you know, don't have like a smoking area outside of your front door, you know, nasty gum on the sidewalk, trash on the sidewalk. Um, there's one practice that we work with where one of the entrances to get in um, it's, it's down like a little breezeway, like a little driveway. And there's, there's a restaurant that's right there. So, and their, their dumpster is what? there. And sometimes there's just such a stench from the dumpster and I get it. You can't do anything about that. That's not your fault. It's the, the restaurant or whatever, but if there's anything you can do to be mindful of what you can control outside of the practice, that can make a big difference in improving the patient experience. Absolutely. I mean, there's two that I can think of right off. Well, one, we have a practice that, because a lot of practices are going into retail spaces now, yeah. and so we have a, a practice that is close to a restaurant, we probably have a couple of them, and because I usually go in through the back way, which sometimes patients also do, I notice that there are rat traps Oh yeah. <laughs> the practice because they're, they're there for the restaurant, and they're, maybe there's no animals in there, but I know what a rat trap is, and it makes my stomach turn every time I see it. And then I was noticing, I was at a practice the other day, and you know those boxes that, like, you put medical waste in or tests or yes. things like that, and then the, the companies come and pick them up? <clears throat> so I'm walking into the front door of the practice, and there's, like, six of these boxes, and four of them are hanging on a wall, and then, like, two of them are laying on the ground because I guess there's a different vendor for each one. But I notice that as I'm walking, I understand they serve a purpose, but I really am drawn to how messy it is. Yeah. And that's the first experience I get walking in the door. Yeah. And, and again, sometimes, you know, things like that are going to be out of your control. But, you know, maybe there's an opportunity where you can have some sort of uh, divider or partition or something like that where you keep those things. That's not super obvious to patients. You know, maybe it's behind a plan or something like that. Uh, just so it, it looks a little bit cleaner again. So on that first impression, you don't say, oh, there's a bunch of, you know, boxes with needles on the ground. Well, and that's the thing. Are those needles like my needles? Or is that my test that's in that box and that <laughs> they've got laying on the ground? Like, what the heck is the purpose of it? Because it's obvious medical waste or medical testing. I don't know what it is, but that's my experience. OK, so I have another I have another one. So yeah. I this sounds really fundamental. And Corey, you probably haven't seen it yet. But there is an email in your inbox, I'm sure. I can't wait. It is so long, and it came in yesterday. And um, the moral of the story of the email is that 
it sounds so fundamental, but you better be following up with your patients when they need you. So there's a, there's an email we got. It's a, it's a patient from an ENT practice and basically they love the doctor, but there's somebody in the office who I guess, guess turned in some paperwork incorrectly to insurance or didn't include photos. And so the case got denied Uh-oh. and they've been, the patient's been trying to get to the bottom of it, but their email de- details out. I called the office. I left a message. Nobody called me back. I called the office again, left a message. I was told that I would be called back in 10 minutes. I was never called back. So it's like a week and a half. Oh, no. Phone tree issue. There's all these things. And at the end of the day, it's just about following up. If you say you're going to do something, do it. That's what patients expect. And here's, I was, yesterday I was in the the live training for patient experience week. And um, somebody said, like, even if you don't have, any information yet you still tell the patient hey i don't have this resolved yet but i'm just letting you know that i am following up to let you know that i don't have it fixed yet it's okay not to have the answer but you have to follow up with your patients yeah no that's a great point i mean if you say if the office says we'll call you back on tuesday and it rolls around and it's wednesday afternoon as a patient you know or or, i mean you know, think of any industry if they say that they're going to do something and then they don't do it. It doesn't even matter, like you said, if they have the answer. It's just a matter of following through with what you've said that you were going to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with putting yourself in the patient's shoes. This is something that we talk about a lot in the on-demand training. But, you know, this is what we do every single day, kind of like using acronyms. It's what we do every single day. And so it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal for us. But the patient you know, especially when it comes to their health, the patient, you know, they're frustrated, they're scared, they are just trying to check this off their list. And it's it's probably like eating them up totally, like getting a test result or getting that follow up. And so something that doesn't seem important to us is extremely important to the patient. So you have to realize that and be empathetic and make sure that we're following up on a timely basis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know maybe we didn't hear back from the insurance company, so there's no real update. But the patient doesn't know that. So why not let them know? Um, and oh, I can't wait to read that email. Oh, you're going to see it. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, know you can't wait. I know you can't wait. OK, so let's keep going. We're almost there. All right. Let's talk about staff interaction. So um, let's think about public versus employee only areas when it comes to the patient experience. So that can be anything from conversations that the staff is having to, uh, you know, where those things, you know, even even the directions of like how to get there. So, for example, if your staff has to walk through a public area, you know, where there's going to be patients on their way to the break room, they, you know, let's say two of them clock out at the same time to go on break. They're going to start having whatever conversation that they're going to have as they walk through that main area potentially. And so that's just something to be aware of because a perceptive patient will realize that, well, they were just behind the front desk and as they're walking away, they're talking about gossip or you know somebody in the office or whatever. And that can create sort of a, a negative interaction in, almost immediately, even though you know the, the staff necessarily, the team didn't do anything wrong. They're on break, they're talking about whatever they wanna talk about on their way to a private area. So just something to be mindful of there. I think I think that's that's a really great um, great point. And then I'm going to end it at this because we're about 30 minutes in. Um, I really think it's important to empower staff to make decisions related to patient experience. 
I'm not saying, you know, that you empower the staff to make life or death decisions or decisions that are going to cost the practice a lot of money, but give them the tools in their toolbox to make decisions that are going to make patients happy in the short term. You know, and I, and this could be giving them the power to offer them a $5 coffee voucher, you know, for the local Starbucks or giving them the power to provide the patient with a cold bottle of water or 50 cents for the soda machine, if that's the, you know, the juice machine, because we don't drink soda anymore and, and throw it into the juice machine. But <laughs> let, let staff be empowered to solve a problem that does so that they don't have to go to a manager or escalate it every single time, because I think the patients really do appreciate that. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, if you empower the staff to sort of, um, you know, be able to look at the situation and kind of read and react to it and know that they have the ability to do that. So it uh, actually, I heard somebody, I think it was yesterday, they were walking down the hallway. And it, was a, it was a team member at a medical practice. And he said, nope, not part of my job. And I was like, oh, come on. You know, and, you know, right? and yeah, and, and maybe he's maybe he said that because he's not empowered. Maybe, he, you know, the training wasn't there. And, and it was a small thing. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I, I remember thinking like, yeah, it's not part of your job, but it would be so easy, dude. Like, come on. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. But yeah, if you empower the staff to kind of make those decisions and, and sort of think slightly differently of, about the situations. And like I said, if, if they know that they can read a situation and react to it and maybe offer a bottle of water or a $5 gift card or, or you know, e even going up to the patient and asking if there's anything that they can do, if it's not part of their job, they still have that ability. That is huge. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it kind of goes back to, you know, if, if patient experience is going to be a focus for your practice, if truly improving the patient experience is going to be a focus for your practice, I mean that the percentages are saying that, you know, more of that experience is happening with members of your staff and not necessarily the physicians, then when you're hiring your staff or training your staff or working on your engagement programs, you have to tell you know staff up front that patient experience matters. And I think that you have to make it part of your overall culture at your practice so that eventually, especially through churn, that you have the right people on your team. Because when it comes to marketing your practice these days, marketing is a team sport and it could be the person in the billing department, the front desk, the doctor, you know, your website's part of your team. It's a tool on your team, your, you know, phone tree, everything is all related now. And so you have to hire for patient experience and, and make that part of your culture and part of your overall um, efforts as it is to cultivating the right team and getting the right people on the bus. Yep, I couldn't agree more. You know, it, it, as the, the team sort of takes a, um, so it makes such a pivotal role in the marketing and the patient experience becomes more and more important. Uh, it, it, it's more important now than ever to hire the right people make sure that they're kind of in the right seats, they're doing the right things and, and um, you know, that they're, they're intelligent, they, they care. Those things matter more than they ever have before in the healthcare industry. Totally, so I think, um, I think this is a good place to end off. And this really wraps up our series on things that you can do at your practice to improve patient experience. And I think we were aiming for 100 different tips that we could implement back at the practice. And we're probably right there, if not over. And, um, you know, with that, I want to say thanks for joining us on this series. I'm Jennifer. I'm Corey. 
And we'll see you next time on the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the DrMarketingTips.com podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out DrMarketingTips.com for our podcast resource center with all the notes, links, and goodies we mentioned during the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our show, please consider pressing the subscribe button on your podcast player so you never miss one of our future episodes. And if you haven't given us a rating or review yet on iTunes, please find a spare minute and help us reach and educate even more of our medical practice peers. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Doctor's Orders.